0: now the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew in the 20th chapter. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your kingdom. "'You don't know what you are asking,' Jesus said to them. "'Can you drink the cup I am going to drink?' "'We can,' they answered. "'Jesus said to them, "'You will indeed drink from my cup, "'but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. "'These places belong to those "'for whom they have been prepared by my Father.' "'When the ten heard about this, "'they were indignant with the other two brothers.' Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom, for many, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise
1: to you, Lord Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, as we continue in our committed series, last week we focused on being committed to worship. Permit me just to take this moment at the outset of the message to commend you once again. For setting aside this time in your day, in your schedule, you could be off doing all sorts of other things, but God bless you for having set aside this time to gather in the company of your brothers and sisters in Christ to praise and honor our glorious God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And as we continue uh, today, focusing on committed to action, I want to share with you uh, a story as told back in the days of the American Revolution. Uh, of a man who, in civilian clothes, was was riding on his horse and came upon a group of soldiers who were in the process uh, of uh, refortifying a, a small defensive barrier. And the leader of this band of soldiers was standing over them, telling them to do this, barking out of orders, telling them to do that. And at the at that, the man on the horse paused and just uh, turned to the. Uh, the the soldier who was leading them and said, your your men look awfully tired. I think they could use an extra set of hands. You know, is there a reason why you're not helping? And at that, the man kind of reared back and rather retorted and said uh, rather abruptly, sir, I am a corporal. And at that, the man on the horse apologized, but then he got down from his horse and he himself began to help the soldiers. And then with the job done, the man turned and said to the corporal, he said, Mr. Corporal, the next time you have a job that needs to be done and not enough hands to do it, I want to encourage you to go to your commander-in-chief and I will come and help you again the next time. (laughs) The passerby, George Washington. Well, my friends, what George Washington modeled for his soldiers, we see our Lord Jesus Christ modeling for us as his disciples. Today, as we focus on being committed to action, what it means for us as disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we take the time to reevaluate and reconsider and even renew our commitment. As far as, as, and as we focus on yet another moment where Jesus teaches his disciples about what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. Now, in order to set the stage for this conversation that, that was uh, read in our gospel lesson, it's important for us to take a few steps back so that we get the big picture of what's going on here. You will recall back when Peter made that great confession up at Caesarea Philippi when when he said of Jesus you are the Christ the son of the living God Matthew tells us from that time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he must be killed my friends what Jesus was beginning to do with his disciples was to explain in, de- in detail his mission and his purpose. And what we see that Jesus was not only a man on a mission, but there was nothing that was going to keep him from accomplishing that mission. Jesus had come to save us from our sins. That is what he was born to do. Do you realize that's what we are celebrating every Christmas? This baby who was born in Bethlehem was born to die. And as such, Luke tells us that there came that moment in Jesus' earthly ministry when Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem to accomplish the very purpose for which he was born. And therein we see how our Lord Jesus was committed to action. He was committed to you and to me. And so just prior to our text, the the gospel lesson read for us today, we find that Jesus and his disciples have now traveled south along the Jordan River Valley, which was the traditional route for true Jews traveling from, from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they had arrived to Jericho, And it's important to note that it was at Jericho, as they were heading south along the Jordan, that they then took a hard right and began to make literally the upward trek, traveling a road up up 3,400 feet in elevation change from the Jordan River Valley up to the city of Jerusalem. And it's at this literal turning point that Jesus uses this again to remind his disciples. Now guys, you need to understand what we're doing here is we're heading to Jerusalem. And he again explains to them that he is going there so that he might suffer and die. And you might also recall that the very first time Jesus began to explain this to his disciples, how Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him and said, "Lord, this shall never happen to you." to which it elicited the response from Jesus to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Peter wasn't too stellar in that moment, was he? Well, here in the third time that Jesus has this conversation with his disciples, we find even here, his disciples' response to that conversation is not all that stellar. James and John, the first of Jesus' disciples, sensed that Jesus determined now to go to Jerusalem was a precursor to his establishing his kingdom. However, they misunderstood the true nature of Jesus' kingdom. They thought it to be an earthly kingdom. And as Jesus is about ready to turn the corner and head up to Jerusalem, they saw their opportunity to secure positions of greatness for themselves in Christ's kingdom and, and it's kind of like I don't know if it was this way in your household but in my household where there were five of us kids whenever mom or dad were taking us somewhere in the car oh my goodness there was an argument that arose from us kids what we called calling dibs on the front seat of the car am I, am I the only one that had this in their family you know I mean all of a sudden and the rule was this whoever called it first got it it doesn't matter how many other times before you got it just as long as you call it first. It's not about being fair. It's not about being equal. It's who called it first. And that's what we see James and John's doing. I call dibs on left. I call dibs on right. And it's like, guys, weren't you paying attention to what Jesus had just said? Now, what I want you to note here is that Jesus does rebuke his disciples. But he does not rebuke him in the way that you might think. Jesus does not rebuke his disciples for their desire to be great. You Notice that? No, he doesn't say stop trying to be great or I'll come back there. No, what Jesus does do, however, is challenge their definition of greatness. Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you, because it's all right to be great, is to be your servant. This is where I want you to go all the way back to Genesis, and right from the very beginning, and pay attention to the fact that God has created humanity for greatness. In the Garden of Eden, God blessed the first man and the first woman and said to them, be fruitful. Increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that crawls on the ground. And then later, God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and all peoples will be blessed through you. Even our Lord Jesus said, whoever practices and teaches these commands that I have taught will be called great in the kingdom of God. So once again, wrap our heads around this. Greatness is part of God's plan for you and for me. Unfortunately, Satan, the world, and our own sinful flesh has taken God's design for greatness and turned it inward. He has twisted God's concept of greatness into a selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, self-serving, self-promoting attitude, behavior, and desire. I mean, it all began when he said to Adam and Eve, when you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And then a little later, at the Tower of Babel, that whole enterprise was energized by the self-seeking ambition of those who said, come, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. Yeah, Satan has a way. The world has a way. Our own sinful flesh has a way of taking God's design for greatness in our lives and turning it in on ourselves. And we're all too familiar with that from time to time, aren't we? Because we fail and fall short, just as the disciples did in this moment. Jesus, however, uses this moment to take that worldly perception of greatness and once again turn it outward, just as God attended from the beginning. And it's most important what Jesus had just said to his disciples before this whole endeavor of self-seeking broke out among them. Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And they will condemn him to death. And they will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. Jesus is once again laying before his disciples. Don't you guys get it? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about those who need to be saved from their sins. And then in that moment, Jesus puts himself up. He sets himself out there as the ultimate example when he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want a picture of what greatness looks like? All you need to do is look to the cross, and there we see it modeled for you and for me. And thus the teachable moment for the disciples then as well as for us today is stated in words that turn our world, our concept of greatness, upside down and inside out. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. The Apostle Paul understood this all too clearly, and he put it this way in his letter to the Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. My friends, in the everyday ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ and and the role that, that that means for us, the role that we play in that ministry, you and I are called to greatness. Not greatness as the world sees it, but greatness as God sees it in living lives that are committed to action, in living lives that are committed to serving the needs of others, especially as it pertains to their eternal well-being. And just to be quite clear, that includes each and every one of us. The Apostle Peter writes each one should use whatever gift he has has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now what that looks like for you, for me, for others in this room is going to vary. It all depends upon how God has wired you, how God has gifted you, the abilities that you have grown into over the years, the experiences that you bring to the table. It's going to vary for each and every one of us. But we all start in the same position. And it begins by asking this question. In light of what God has done for me through Jesus Christ and that sacrifice, how can I take from what God has put on my plate and use it in such a way that makes a difference in the life of somebody else, especially as it pertains to their eternal well-being? How can I live my life in a way that gives glory and honor to this good and gracious God who has so loved me in this way? If you haven't done so recently, I'm encouraging you to set aside some time this week and take a look at our church website and just do some exploring. Click on the links and you will come away blown away of just all the different activities and all the different ministries that are taking place, whether it be our music, our our faith formation, uh, serving capacities, our care ministry, all the things that are going on in the life of our congregation that others, many of you here today, are underwriting and underscoring and being a part of and putting your lives behind. I wish we could tell all of those stories somehow today and highlight them all. We can't, but we do want to take the time to highlight one of them, which is rather unique in the faith life of our congregation. If you would, direct your attention to the screen. I want to introduce to you Holly Nicholson.
2: Four years ago, if you would have told me that I was going to be leading a group of people through fitness and then praying for them at the end, or praying with them and sharing scripture, or if you would have told me that I was going to be singing, I'm not a singer, in front of children at Sunday school, I would have said, you're out of your mind. This church has been awesome at really allowing me to take what I have in my mind and in my heart, and the things that God is putting in my heart and really letting me um, run with them, literally. I feel like I've been able to marry a lot of my um, talents, whether it be working with kids, working with women, working in fitness to spread the word of Jesus here at church. For me, especially with fitness, that's not an ordinary ministry, but it's an ordinary activity. So, we can turn those ordinary things in our life, in our everyday life, into ministry. God calls us to share our time and our talent and our treasure. And no matter what those talents are, He asks us to really bring people to Him. And it doesn't matter where you are in your faith, um, as long as you're sharing it out loud and um, sharing the Word of Jesus and His love with everybody wherever you are. Faith in Action for my family is beyond coming to church and beyond coming to Sunday school. It's also um, sharing the faith with the people that we see um, every day beyond these church walls, with non-believers, with people that my kids run into at school and just out in the community and letting people know that we're not afraid to share our faith out loud.
1: Holly has found a way to take from what God has placed on her plate and use it in a way that is impacting the lives of others. And so I put that question before you again today. And that's the whole purpose of the card that's been placed in your worship folder that we're encouraging you to to fill out and put in the offering plate or put in one of the receptacles out in the welcome center area. How has God wired you? How has God gifted you? What's a life experience that you've gone through that you can somehow take and turn and use in a way that touches the life of someone else in a way that makes not just a temporal difference but perhaps even an eternal difference. And I want you to understand what we're talking about here. It's not just about ticking off a box on a checklist and say, all right, I've done it now. I mean, you know, it would be great if you go home today and for the next three days you devote yourself, you're committed to action. I'm I'm not uh, disagreeing. That would be awesome if you did that. But we're not talking about after three days you go, okay, I'm done with that. Now I can return back to my life of just thinking about me and what's important to me. This isn't about going home today and saying, mom, I'll, I'll do the dishes today or, you know, honey, I'll let, you know, let me do the dishes today and then you're done with it. Our Lord Jesus Christ didn't just take a moment. He didn't just take a phase. He devoted his whole life, even sacrificed his whole life so that we might have an everlasting relationship with Almighty God. And as followers of Jesus, we follow Jesus. We follow our leader. And as he was committed to action, so are we. So my hope and my prayer is that as we go forth this day in our lives, that you and I would truly aspire to be people of greatness and to understand in God's kingdom, greatness comes as a result of our living lives of action to the glory of God and to the well-being of others. God, grant that to each of us as we make our commitment today.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.